You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is Sunday School. Welcome back to uh, part two of Luke 22. And uh, we're going to start at verse 31. But first, uh, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask uh, Jim. Would you pray? Oh, sure. Well, dear Holy Father, again, we thank you for your love. We thank you just for your ability to get together and look into your word. We also do thank you for your word. We can learn more about you, we learn more about ourselves. We pray you be with Aaron as he speaks, and uh, just that he speaks words that you've given him that will just touch our hearts and change our lives. We just praise you in most precious name. Amen. Amen. My mic's on, right? Okay. All right, verse 31. Uh, so I'm going to break this down into sections. First section is 31 to 34. So I'm gonna, instead of going through what I usually do where I start and I just read the whole thing, since there's like 40 verses, I'm not going to do that. Um, just to save some time, but uh, 31 to 34, Simon, Simon, look out, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strike from your brothers. Lord, he told them, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. <clears throat> so again, uh, just a reminder, kind of setting the scene, we're at the upper room uh, where they're you know, they're all, all the disciples and Jesus are all together. They're having the, the Passover celebrations. And um, this, is, this is right after, right after they, uh, Jesus had mentioned that uh, there's, gonna, there's somebody among us right here that's going to betray me. Then they argued about who, who was going to betray him. Then they argued about who's the greatest. And uh, now we're at the point where kind of within that conversation, um, Jesus looks back at, at Peter and at that point, Peter was, was or is kind of the, uh, the leader of the disciples, um, more or less. And <laughs> now you got me saying it. Uh, and so I mentioned back in the last lesson, I don't remember what verse it was off the top of my head. Um, might have been verse three. But uh, I mentioned in the last lesson that there was a couple pictures of, uh, of a spiritual battle going on here. And verse 31 is, was the second, uh, the second example. And I just think it's pretty cool how Jesus is saying, Look out, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. But I pray for you that your faith may not fail in you and you when you have turned back strength in your brothers. Um, so what, Satan is asked to sift you. What does that mean? That Satan's not like sitting right there with them next to them, you know, eating that meal with them. This is a, this is a spiritual thing going on here. Between Jesus and Satan, 
um, while this meal was happening. And, uh, and <clears throat> so Jesus goes on to say, uh, uh, again, that, um, that he's, he's prayed for them. And he's saying, uh, when you turn, when you, at the end of verse 32, when you have turned your back, or when you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. The turn back is, is talking about when, uh, in verse 34, when he says, you're going to deny me. The turn back is after that denial has happened, go back and strengthen your brothers. Um, but you are going to do this, even though, you know, you're going to say that you're not. But you're going to do this, but I'm telling you, after you do that, remember to go back and strengthen your brothers. Um, so 35 to 38 is the next section. He also said to them, When I sent you out without money bag, traveling bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Not a thing, they said. Then he said to them, But now whoever has a money bag should take it, and also a traveling bag. And whoever doesn't have a sword should sell his robe and buy one. For I tell you, what is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the outlaws. Yes, what is written about me is coming to its fulfillment. Lord, they said, Look, here are two swords. Enough of that, he told them. Uh, Jesus had previously said to them in chapter 9, verse 3, Take nothing for the road. He told them, No walking stick, no traveling bag, no bread, no money, and, and don't take an extra shirt. So in other words, trust in me that everything will be provided for as we go along this journey. It was back at kind of the beginning uh, of of their journey walking through walking with Jesus uh, throughout their ministry. Um, and now he's at the point where Jesus knows it's coming to an end of the time of him being with them in person. Um, so he's kind of changing it up a little bit saying, you know, Hey, go and go and get these things. Um, a change is happening. Go and get these things and, and all so that you have them. And they, uh, they immediately go to, um, he, he mentions a sword, and they, they, out of all the things that he mentioned, they said, Lord, they said, look, here are two swords. And he immediately says, enough of that, in verse 38. And <clears throat> this is probably uh, Jesus jumping on them a little bit about mentioning the two swords right away. Because um, he didn't want them to be... He didn't want them to be dependent on that, uh, on on that as a protection, um, uh, and and or it could also be they had two, so they were good. They, you don't need any more. You don't need you know. You don't all need to be carrying weapons and things like that. You're good. Um, it's also kind of uh, kind of a, a little picture of um, you know we. How often do we depend on the things around us instead of depending on the Lord, uh, you know, for our, our security uh, and our life um, and our provision? Uh, we, we always think that is, is purely just up to, you know, up to us and uh, maybe the people around us, um, you know, and uh, Andy will like this. And, <laughs> and I feel like I mention you every time. But we, you know, in, in America, a lot of people, a lot of Christians always get harped on because we, we may mention uh, American principles like the Second Amendment, you know, for protection and things like that, uh, where 
where yes, that's not necessarily a bad thing in of itself, but the main point is to know that that's not first priority. The first priority is to make sure that, that your security and, and your faith is in Christ alone. Um, going on to uh, 39 and 46, 39 to 46. He went out and made his way, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. Uh, real quick, Mount of Olives and Garden of Gethsemane are kind of interchangeable. So um, I'm probably going to mention, just say Garden from this point on, um, just so you know. Uh, verse 40, when he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. You see twice, uh, twice right here he's saying, pray that you may not enter into temptation. So the, the, uh, the, the first part, um, well, and again, this was not a, an abnormal thing for them to go to the garden at night uh, to stay there. Because we also see in 21 uh, verse 37 that, that they had done this. So. This wasn't like it was the first thing that, you know, this was just a unique situation since Jesus knew this is where he's going to get taken and all that. Um, this, they, 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 this was a normal place for them to go. Um, also to mention, this is a change of scenery now. This, is, this was probably later that night, but this was, uh, they're not, no longer in the upper room. They moved. <clears throat> they're, they're at the garden now. And uh, <clears throat> so... Temptation, verse 40. In, this certain, in, in verse 40, the temptation um, was being aware of what was about to happen. He probably was saying this to them like, hey, I know that everybody's real tired. Don't fall into, into the temptation of, uh, of your, your physical tiredness. Um, ask for strength, one, so that you, 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 know, you don't fall asleep in this time, and, and two, so that you're strengthened for what's about to happen. And... Uh, of course, he knew what that meant um, because things were about to get a lot worse. So, verse 42. Oh, that's the wrong page. Verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Uh, I think this is a very interesting picture of Jesus' humanity come through real quick. And there's many examples like this uh, throughout the Gospels uh, where, where we see uh, a human example um, of Jesus where it, it's very relatable to us. It's very personal to us. We, we, can, we can understand that in that moment, you know, that Jesus would feel that way. Um, and... He knows what, again, what he's about to go through. And he even says, if you're willing, please take this cup from me. Like, I don't want to go through this. But at the same, at the same time, what, what overrides my not wanting to go through this is the fact that I want your will to be done. 
So if, if it's necessary that I, this happens, so be it. So 43 and uh, 44, it's a pretty cool situation happening here. Um, I'll start at 44. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Uh, I did uh, some... Uh, I did some, some WebMD searching, and uh, <laughs> this condition of sweating blood is actually a, a, known, a known thing, a, a known condition. Um, it's called hematidrosis. It's a very rare medical condition. I'm reading straight from what, what uh, WebMD said. It's a very rare medical condition that causes you to ooze or sweat blood from your skin when you're not cut or injured. So then, scroll down a little bit in the same article, who gets it and why? Who gets it? Sometimes it seems to be caused by extreme distress or fear, such as facing death, torture, or severe ongoing abuse. Isn't that exactly the situation Jesus was, was in? Um, so it makes sense that, uh, and, and just cool how we see this, this modern day example and, and understanding of, of uh, of how the body works um, medically and all that, that we, we see that this is a real thing that, that really could happen. Um, but then it's also really cool, going back to, to uh, you know, the spiritual realm, verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Um, again, this is not a, an abnormal thing. We see uh, in, a, in a different situation, Matthew 4, uh, this was... In verse 11, this was right after Satan had put Jesus through all those temptations. Uh, Matthew 4, 11, then the devil left him, and immediately angels came and began to serve him. So, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here that we can't necessarily fully fathom, but it's, it is still really cool to think about, um, and, and really cool to, uh, also, well, and, and, a, and a challenging thing to know that uh, there is this, this whole spiritual battle, spiritual realm that we need to be aware of. Um, yeah, Luke 22, uh, we're at, oh, I'm just about to start, um, 45. And <clears throat> 45, uh, again, we're going back to the temptation. So we see right here... When Jesus comes back from that situation of praying and, and the angel, uh, he comes back and he sees the disciples, what are they doing? They're sleeping. And so they, they kind of failed the first temptation that he knew was going to happen. But he says to them again, get up and pray and get up and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. And I think the temptation that he's talking about now is uh, don't fall into the temptation of since I'm about to go through all this, don't fall into temptation of, of leaving and, and falling away from me, you know, because you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be pushed to the brink in a lot of this, um, uh, in, in what's about to happen. So then we see the actual, uh, betrayal happen in the next section, 47 to 53. While he was still speaking, suddenly a mob was there. And one of the twelve named Judas was leading them. He came near, near Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. But Jesus responded, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, 
temple police and the elders who had come for him. Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal? Every day while I was with you in the temple complex, you never laid a hand on me, but this is your hour and the dominion of darkness. So, uh, a real quick just thing with 47. Um, it, you know, it says that Judas was leading them. Again, we, 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 we know that it's a change of scenery. They're in the garden. They, they all went to the garden. And just interesting, like, so what... We don't, we're not going to know this exactly necessarily, but so where was Judas in all of this? Was he, did he stay back for some reason, tell him, like, I got to take care of some business, I'll meet up with you guys? Did he go with them and then say, like, hey, I need to go do something and leave? And then, you know, brought, and then found the, the people and brought them in? I, just, just an interesting thing to think about. But um, so Jesus is, or Judas is leading them in. He came near to Jesus and kissed them. And we see in 48, uh, he betrayed the Son of Man with a kiss. Uh, Tony Evans' uh, commentary says, Judas used an act of love as a weapon. And I think of, uh, well, I'll say this next. A kiss back then, and even nowadays in a lot of parts of the world, was, was just a very common greeting, right? We all know this. Um, and, but it also, in a sense, is... It's even in, even in areas where it is a common greeting, it's still it's it's, a, it's still a sign of uh, a quick sign of love or respect um, in that moment. But he's using that sign of respect and love to betray. So if you pull back from that a little bit, um, how often do we do we act out good things with bad or selfish intentions behind them? Or just no love behind them at all. Um, you know, isn't that, it, it made me think too, like, isn't that the whole, isn't that what Jesus would, or would, would constantly get on the Pharisees and all about? Because it's not like what they were doing, doing in of themselves was bad in a lot of, in a lot of their stuff was bad. You know, it was not a bad thing to, uh, you know, do all of the uh, sacrifices and, and cleanliness rituals and, uh, and memorizing scripture and things like that. Those are all actually good things in of themselves. But they were using those things to hold them over to people. Like, hey, look at me. Look at look how great I am for doing this. So, you know, just kind of like, and, and then bring it now to us. Like, how often do we do that? Do we do, uh, you know, how, how many times have, have we put out there like, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. Uh, and, you know, to kind of say like, yeah, you're a good person. Um, like that's, there's a lot of things missing there, uh, and it's not the it's not the main point. Um, and quite honestly, it doesn't really mean much if you don't really have a relationship with Jesus. So, uh, going to uh, forty nine and and fifty. Um, I won't say that. Uh, I'm laughing because I'm going to say something about Andy again. But um. <laughs> When those around him saw what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. So immediately they go from, we don't know who it was or how many of them were asking, you know, should we do this? But it was, should we do this? And then probably like as the question was being finished, they see a, a sword slice happening on somebody's, somebody's face. 
And uh, so somebody was impatient. We know that this was Peter um, from, from other accounts. Uh, John 18.10 uh, points out to us that, that this was Peter, uh, which makes sense because Peter was known to be kind of a, kind of a guy who said and did things before he actually waited and thought those things out in a lot of situations. Um, but it also, it, it's, a, uh, it's also kind of a picture of like, no matter what we do, this, this, this ordeal happening was a part of the divine plan that Jesus had to go through that, that, that God had for, for him. So no matter what we do, no matter what us as people do and, and what the disciples could do, they couldn't stop that. Um, so he didn't, and, and Jesus knew that. Jesus knew with this crowd coming here, with, with them taking me, with them uh, taking me to what I'm about to go through, like I, this has to happen. And this, is, this was in, in the Lord's will. So when he sees that, uh, that Peter goes and, and cuts this guy's ear off, you know, he gets, he gets mad at Peter for doing that. So that's why we see that he goes and, you know, and he heals him in that moment. Um, so I'll go to uh, 53, or 51 to 53. Uh, and I'll just go to the end of 53. Uh, but this is your hour and the dominion of darkness. This is uh, Jesus saying to them, to the group, like, you've seen me every day in front of you at the temple. But you didn't want to take me then, cause, basically because you were scared. Um, because you were scared of the people's reaction. So now, when it's dark out and I'm all alone is when you come and take me. Now we see in other parts of scripture uh, where, you know... Dark, un, in, uh, in the cover of darkness, in the cover of night is, is typically when, you know, a lot of bad things happen, right? We just know that, too, from, you know, criminal statistics. That's just a thing. Um, it's how people work. Uh, because, you know, we somehow think that, you know, if you don't see me do it, then it's not as bad. Um, so he's, he's kind of calling them out on that, but... Uh, this is the dominion of darkness. This, this is your hour, the dominion of darkness. Satan has, has control of them. And, and he knows this. And he's saying, all right, this is, this is your time. This is what, what you, you're going to do what you have to do. Um, <clears throat> so go to 53, or 54 to 62. They seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the firelight and looked closely at him, she said, This man was with him too, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, This man was certainly with him since, he, since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So this is uh, kind, of a, kind of about Peter in this situation, um, in, these, in these verses where... Uh, 
so they're they're walking him, walking Jesus, you know, hands behind his back and all. They're they're walking him in this crowd. They get to the high priest's house uh, where all this is going to start going down. And Peter, um, Peter was was following following them at a distance, you know, so that he could keep an eye on what was what was happening. Right, he wanted to know. And uh, and again, it was it was nighttime, so we see when they light the fire. And Peter comes close enough to it, people started saying, like, hey, we, we recognize you. We know that you're, you're a part of this guy's group. And, and uh, uh, you're, you're one of them. And he starts denying it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Um, therefore, fulfilling prophecy that Jesus had, had given, saying, you are going to do this. And as soon as the... As soon as the rooster crowed, we see 61. The Lord turned, turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord. He had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. So uh, I, could, uh, I could see this kind of set up in like a movie scene, you know, where it's like, you know, he's, Peter's in this denial mood and Jesus is walking this way. Peter's sitting back here. And, and all of a sudden, a rooster crows out of nowhere, and, and Jesus kind of just does one of these. And, and Peter's like, they, they, they make eye contact, and, and then he, all of it comes back to him, and he's like, oh, no, what did I do? And then we see he went outside and wept bitterly. I can't, I can't really, it makes sense that he did that, because I, I can't really imagine being you know, in his shoes at that, at that time, you know, knowing what he had just done. Because not only did he know that he, he had put, uh, he had contributed to the, to the Messiah um, being taken and all, um, but he feels like, but, but he, this is the Lord, but also this is like his closest personal friend on earth. Uh, so kind of putting that, you know, Again, bring, bring that back to a personal, you know, relatable aspect of, of this story uh, where this, this, is, this, is, this would be a really hard thing for him to handle right now. So it makes sense that he went out and he, and he wept bitterly. Uh, next section, uh, next couple of verses. The men who were holding Jesus started mocking and beating him. After blindfolding him, they kept asking, prophesy, who hit you? And they were saying many other blasphemous things against him. Um, so this is, uh, this is kind of the beginning of the, the physical beatings that he's going to experience, um, which just add to the, uh, the mental stress and mental battles and spiritual battles he's already been dealing with. And then also keep in the back of your mind, again, this is, this is the, the starting of the, of the physical beating. Jesus' body, because he was already in a condition of sweating blood, his body is, is, is more prone to getting injured from, from things at this point. So, uh, so, you know, this alone probably hurt a lot. Um, not to mention, obviously, everything else that was going to happen. 66. When daylight came, the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the scribes, convened and brought him before their Sanhedrin. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, 
If I do tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, You say that I am. Why do we need any more testimony, they said, since we've heard it ourselves from his mouth. Uh, so at daylight, he was brought to the Sanhedrin, uh, who, uh, basically the council of elders um, in that area, to be questioned. And this is where, um, this was where they, were, they were going to decide you know, what was going to ultimately happen next. And Jesus knowing, knowing, uh, Jesus knowing everything that, that they wanted to do and everything that they were going to say, he was obviously prepared for it. Um, because he, know, he knows that these guys going into this, they've already made up his mind about him. They've already made up, his mind, made up their mind that, that they want this to happen to him. Um, so all they need is just, just a little tiny bit of a reason from his mouth for them to legally get away with it. So that they can go out and say to the people, oh, you see what he said? He, you know, he, he said this blasphemous thing. You know, he, he deserves to be, to be put to death. And uh, so they were just they were just searching just for that little bit, just just for that little bit. Give me that. Give me that. Uh, just a little so I can uh, just enough. Um, and which is what he which is what they get when they when he says, you say that I am, which again was Jesus said, just giving them just a little bit because he didn't say, yeah, I'm God. I'm him. I'm the Messiah. Take me. He said, you're saying that I am, which to them was just enough. Again, because they had already made up their mind about him. Um, but an interesting note uh, that, that I, I thought of here was just in these couple verses, we're getting a few different names of Christ. So we're getting, uh, we're getting Messiah, we're getting Son of Man, Son of God, and I Am. And uh, so as I was looking at different things for that, um, one thing that... that I, I really liked was how the uh, how the ESV Study Bible commentary kind of summed that up, um, because they had kind of approached it the same way that I had just thought of it, uh, where all those different names are are pretty cool. Uh, it says uh, the Christ, uh, the Messiah, verse sixty-seven, and Son of Man all all refer to Jesus, emphasizing different aspects of his person and role. Son of God points to Jesus' unique relationship to God. And, and when rightly understood, his equality with God the Father in his, in his very being. The term Christ indicates that Jesus claimed to be the son of David, the Messiah. Son of man points to the person identified in Daniel seven thirteen through 14, who will rule the kingdom of God. You say that I am is a Greek expression that deflects responsibility back upon the one asking the question. Um, so again... He's kind of deflecting it back to them, but also giving them just enough to where they can, they can kind of take it and run with it. And, uh, and now, uh, so that's, that's the, that's the uh, leading up to, you know, the, the crucifixion and um, the, the trial with, with Pilate and all that. So, which is what we're going to see in the, in the next chapter. Um, but that's kind of where I'm, I'm ended. I'm done. <laughs> anybody, uh, anybody have anything to say? Questions? I just think, like you said, the end rush there is, you know, 
God is always revealing himself to us. Yeah. Different things about his character, his position, and his, we look in Isaiah 40 today, you know, who, you know, who's his counselor. He always, always, in his word and through his spirit today. And we just have to open our eyes and see and get our junk out of the way, all our garbage, and, and listen and see what he's doing. Open our eyes. And I mean, that was, that was great because it was all right there. Yeah. He revealed himself 20 different ways of, you know, 10 verses. Yep. And okay. So Bert's talking about Peter, you know, his denial. People have a tendency to be really rough on Peter. You know, we say, oh, he's, you know, he's impetuous. He doesn't, you know, think people react and all this kind of thing. But you have to understand what was transpiring right now was really major, heavy, spiritual escalation in this whole situation. And I mean, he wanted to be, you know, true to Jesus. But when things get really difficult and things get really scary and you're acting on your own power, it's easy to backtrack and run. And that's basically what he's doing. It's like he's not doing anything any different than anybody else would in their own strength. And the Lord knew that it was going to be too much for him. He wants to think he can handle it, but he can't. And the Lord knew that because, as usual, the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. And we also know that obviously he learned from that too. Later on in you know Peter's story. Anybody else? I was thinking a question kind of Like when they talk about like the cup, and they told us to take my cup, but in the same area you, when you said about the sweating, like the blood and stuff, mm -hmm. that's like fear and anxiety. Does that feel like a cup filling up with all that blood and sweat and saying take this fear or anxiety, whatever it what it was, you take it from me? Um that's kind of what I was thinking. Could be. I'm, I'm going to ask for some help on that answer. Take this away from me. That's one of our biggest prayers. 
God, give me this. God, take, you know, take this away from me, whatever. And guess what? Not my will. This is what I want. But I'm willing to do what you want. But the cup is more what? The cup, I think, is just the actions that he's going to take for our salvation. You know what I mean? As he said earlier to the disciples, can you drink from this cup? You know what I mean? So he was the only one to go through scripture that can do this for us. Okay? So that's what the cup was. So he was saying, and I'm thinking, he was still willing to die for us, but maybe not necessarily, you know, I mean, in previous scripture talks about him suffering, you know, uh, he's been talking about, you know, and this is the beginning of the suffering. You know, the verses right there, you know. We see what he went through, okay? It was not an easy time. Even though he was God, he was still man, okay? So it had to be a tough thing for him to go through. Take it away from him. But for you, whatever, because you're well, I'm willing to do this. You know, that's almost the attitude that we should have. Yes, there's going to be some tough times, but I'm willing to do this because of who you are, you know? But I keep harping on, you know, knowing God, proper perspective of God, I call it, okay? Once he had, and Christ obviously had that. I mean, he was God himself. So, of course, he knew the Father, he was there for eternity. Peter, like Pam was saying, the reason that he had this problem, he didn't know who God was. He didn't know who Jesus really was. If he did, he probably would not have denied him. But he didn't. I mean, there was probably some other things going on with that or anything like that. But, you know, with us, I think the whole key to everything is, we know who God is. It's easier for him to trust us, to us, to do what he asks us to do. Things like that, you know. I, I think our biggest problem is when we really don't know who God is. And once we get an understanding of who he really is, it's a lot easier to do his will and everything. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but uh, I did cut me off. Recently saw a Facebook post. It was a person who had a tattoo down her arm that said, Judas 82. What? what was it? It said Judas 8 2. Like the number 8. 8. Oh, eight. <laughs> and I'll pull it until we get to it one last time. Um, and the, the conversation was from the perspective of the tattoo artist who had no idea what this was, what was going on with this, but then afterwards, after the tattoo was done, you know, asked the girl if I had done. She said, The Last Supper, Jesus knew everything that Judas was about to do, but Judas 8 2. He was still sitting at that table. He still received the love and the, you know, the kinship of Christ. Judas ate too, in despite of what Jesus knew was going to happen. You know, like you talk about, you know, like the Last Supper, Christ said, and it was, a, it was a thing of friendship in those times, that he ate of his bread. Yeah. So he loved Judas, right? He knew Judas was the one who was going to betray him. Like, you know, you were talking about, you know, where was Jesus in all these times? Well, in other verses, that Christ told Jesus, leave, do what you need to do it quickly. But so Jesus was not there when they went from one place to the other. But he had taken away. Right. He was there and he left. Yeah, you're talking about the garden. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was there. Change the scenery to the well, garden. Where did he go? We were talking about Judas and Gaps. I think he had already left by that time. Yeah. So he wasn't there. But like I said, it is funny that he did take the love of Christ and still did what he did. Whatever it means, you can probably have whatever messages and lessons you want on that. You can probably go anywhere you want with it. But Jesus loved him to the end. Mm-hmm. Tried to get him saved till the end of the church. Church sponsored tattoos, anybody? That also goes along with the whole attitude of 
uh, that the Lord has really instilled in me in recent years is God loves every single person the same. Christ was standing in front of the Sanhedrin, and still, even though he was going through all this as God, he still loved them. He's frustrated with them, but he still loves them. He never stops loving you. He never loves you less, regardless of what your situation is. And, I, and it's like I've said in ladies' Bible study before. The Lord doesn't love me anymore as a believer, but he loves some really belligerents that are up who's unsafe. He loves all of us the same. And he had that same love for Jesus. And he even took it to the point where he has the same love for the Sanhedrin, and he has the same love for the Roman soldiers that murdered him. There you go. Um, Passover service, I'm pretty sure there's a table and a cup that's left for the Messiah for the Passover land, and no one's able to pick up the cup for the Passover service except. Oh, thank you. Just for how you revealed yourself to us through this passage today. Uh, Lord, to know that you're, you're always doing that. And I pray that we wouldn't get caught up in, in the things all around us. Uh, but Lord, that we, our focus will be on you. And that we'll be a thankful people. And that we'll be a forgiving people. And that we'll speak your truth and love every day that you give us. Uh, thank you for Aaron. His love for you. His, his love for your word. For his willingness to uh, to follow you in his life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Uh, real quick, um, next week there will Hey guys, one last thing. You can do me a huge favor by going and rating this podcast on whatever platform you're listening, especially Apple Podcasts, because ratings have, have the most to do uh, with pushing you up the charts getting people more exposed to your name and your podcast and and hopefully bringing more listeners. Um, we are a Bible-based, uh, gospel-based show. We do, we, we do mess around with some other things, but that is our main purpose. That is our, our main message is to get out, uh, get out Jesus and his good news and bringing that through interviews, bringing that through other shows so that are, are hopefully uh, thought-provoking and sometimes even fun. And anyway... The best way you can help us, the simplest, easiest way you can help us is by rating the show. Um, please rate the show, especially if you're on Apple plat- on the Apple platform, and um, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>